Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and here's Angela again. What's up? <laughs> yes, uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> We're here again. Yes, um, for another Halloweeny episode. Yes, as we creep closer towards the Halloween date, the day of Halloween. <laughs> I don't know how you describe it, like the event itself, perhaps. Yes, ha- Halloween proper. Um, and this time we're going to talk about Halloween. No, we're not. This time we're going to talk about horror anthologies. Yes. Two, two horror anthologies in particular. Um, I feel like there's been a bit of a resurgence the last few years in the horror anthology. Well, in, in anthologies in general, which I guess is yeah, open the door. Um, things like I Scream Man from Image. I think it was, I think, a big one. And uh, I know Elliot Rahal was trying to do, like, not quite an anthology anthology, but was trying to do cult classic, which was kind of individual volumes within the same world. He was working with different artists. I remember that, yeah. Um, which I think would have ended up being kind of an anthology type thing when there was more of it, but there were only two <laughs> trades. So um, kind Is of a longer a- format anthology type thing. Yeah, I mean, Two Trades is, is kind of an anthology. It's more than one. It is. Um, also, recently, Image have launched Creep Show, which is obviously a spin-off of the Shudder TV series, which is an anthology, which is in turn a continuation of Stephen King and George Romero's film, which was an anthology horror thing. So that's, that's fun. That's... <laughs> All media is anthology. Yeah, there's also, uh, to go quite small press, uh, I know there's Knock Knock, who are from Frisson Comics in Liverpool, who are doing, I think they've got a new one out quite soon. Um, All their issues are, like, themed, so there's, like, a pestilence one and and a cult and old wives' tales and... I've read old wives' tales, it's good. Yeah, they've got they do well to get quite a interesting selection of international people together to do quite weird horror books, which is fun. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's definitely been an increase in horror anthologies, especially through Kickstarter as well. There's been just a lot of anthologies, some horror. Me and Will have talked about many sci-fi anthologies and Yeah. Um, it's it's a good time to be into anthologies and short stories because there's just loads of them. There's a lot of them out there. And we're going to talk about two of them pretty much right now. Pass it over to you to introduce us to our first book. So I'll introduce the first one, which yes. is, is Keepsakes. Yes. Which was a Kickstarter in 2019. So it fits with what we've been talking about, how there's been a lot of anthologies on Kickstarters. Um, There are a lot of creative people involved. So it starts off, there is the death of a chap called Martin Wilkes um, and his two children, Carl and Soraya, um, are going through his things, you know, clearing out the basement, as you do when your father's died. And it turns out that in their father's basement... Um, are all kinds of weird items, slightly creepy items, some might say. And each of these items relates to a horrific event. Um, So what you have is you have the framing device of the two of them going through the stuff in Dad's basement, and then they'll find an item and they'll go, what the hell is this? And then there'll be a little story then to illustrate where that particular item comes from and what it relates to. And they're all horrific. Um, they vary in their horror. There's creepy people. There's mad scientists. There's death. Um, and then sandwiched in between that, you have a letter 
which is like a text story um, which describes this poor person um, complaining to Blue American Petroleum. Um, and it starts with quite a normal letter and then weird things happen later on. So you've got a lot of creators. Let's go. So you've got G.A. Alexander, who did all the writing and all the lettering. Yes. Vincent Van Hoof, which is just an excellent name, who did the main cover art. Yeah. Um, now are some names that I'm going to mangle, so apologies in advance. Uh, Emilio Oterera? That's where I would go with, possibly without the question mark, but... Yeah, OK. Emilio Oterera, uh, who did Dad's Basement, um, all of the art for sort of the basement scenes, so the, the linking scenes. Daddy Koenioan? Mm-hmm. Could be. <laughs> yep, did art for special delivery. Branko Jovanovic did the art for the burning. And Samir Samayo did the art for pilot episode. If I've mispronounced those, I apologise. Um, so, yes, that, that is Keepsakes. It's interesting. It is interesting. I... As a 28-page story, I mean, including covers, so can't do maths. As a 24-ish page, 26, 24, 26, I don't know. 20, yeah, ish. As a essentially a single issue that is an anthology, this does a surprising amount of things. Um, I think each story kind of is a different kind of horror, and takes us in a bit of a different direction. Um, the the framing device of the of Carl and Soraya kind of going through all of the dad's possessions is simple and yet manages to pack in quite a bit of character information about the father and about them and their relationship. I mean, it's not a super deep dive, but we kind of learn, you know, that the parents broke up you know we learn about carl's personal life and i feel there's a good amount of information packed into i don't know like six pages maybe yeah um which then so the first story we get based on what they found is pilot episode which follows the Oh, I know this. What are they called? The Bloodstalkers on their yes. like pilot episode um, investigating a warehouse believed to have been the lair of a serial killer named the Surgeon. Yeah. Um, which both looks and feels very kind of hack slash to me. Yes. Yeah, um, as the as the person who decided to do all the. Hack slash deluxe editions for a review that I never <laughs> never really got to because it was just so dense. Um, but the kind of slasher killer type, yeah, very much um, like a found footage almost kind. Yeah, of feels like it could have been the setup for a hack slash trade or issue or whatever. Um, which I'm quite into. I like. I kind of like the cartoonish slasher story of it. I think it still is very creepy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think The weird thing is, I think it's the creepiest at the end. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's creepy up until that point where, you know, people just seem to disappear. Uh, but that ending... As a is, final image, yeah. 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 It's... Yeah, I'm not happy. <laughs> no, no, it... God, it's disturbing. Um, but I think it really works. And I think it does feel like in terms of art, which is uh, Samir Sameo, it feels the most kind of classic American, like, comic book style, I yeah. feel. Um, there's a kind of roundness to it. I don't know how else to describe that other than round- roundness. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it feels... Yeah, it, it feels a little bit throwback to... I mean, even, like, when you've got um, Tina walking, even just the way that she's drawn walking just harks back to almost, like, early cartoon strips in, yeah. in that way. 
So, yeah, it, it does seem to be. But like you say, there's not a lot of angles. It just feels... feels yeah, quite, quite smooth and rounded off. Um, yeah. It's a good aesthetic, though, and I think it suits the story. And uh, it's part of what made me think of Hack Slash um, in that kind of Tim Seeley... Um, admittedly, Tim Seeley doesn't always draw Hack Slash or write Hack Slash. Hack <laughs> Slash is a lot to unpack. Let's, let, I'm going to start There's referencing a lot of it. it. Yeah. Endless, yeah. Um, but as an opening story, I think it sets a pretty high bar of creepiness. It does, yeah. It was because that was where I thought, oh, this is quite serious about how weird and creepy this is going to get. It's definitely going to go there. I'm not sure anything else is in the the exact same vein. I think the stories are quite widespread, which, I mean, is what you want from an anthology. It's good to cover all the options in all the directions. Um, Should we talk about some other stories and then we'll do a kind of general thing? Um, Do you want to talk about Blue American Petroleum or do you want to come back around to that after we've done... I feel like we'll come back to that because I think that in the yeah because that you start off so that's after you after you've had the that the pilot that's the first letter but I think it it needs discussing as like its own thing as a whole because, yeah yeah and as because <clears throat> you don't get the the kicker with that until the very end I think yeah we'll mm. do that till we'll discuss special delivery special delivery so yeah. Go on. It's, it's it's just a completely different style. It's kind of mangary. Very manga inspired, um, kind of Junji Ito inspired as well, I think, in the designs yes. of oh, yeah. in a lot of the designs to be fair. Um I think it does really work though, and it is whereas um pilot episode is quite linear and there's a logic to it they're investigating the warehouse and you know there is a slasher killer oh, oh spoilers sorry spoilers there will be spoilers that's that was your first what yeah. will be the second um <laughs> it, it's quite a linear story in that sense whereas i think special delivery okay it's still linear but <laughs> everything that happens is a complete surprise every yeah it, it's just increasingly weird things which it feels like a junjito like anthology mm. or a junjito like story compressed down into like a handful of pages yeah because it's only i think it's shorter as well i think it's four i think yeah um, yeah four pages and yeah, you get to the end of it and you're like, I'm not really sure what just happened there. Yeah, so it's, it is half the length of pilot episode and it is a wild ride of pizza delivery gone weird. Yeah, very, <laughs> um, very weird. But in trying to capture that like manga horror style of like, yeah, Junjito or... Uh, the guy who did I Am a Hero, whose name escapes me, but I, I think it kind of fits into that sense, or even something like Dragon Head, where it kind of gets into weirdness in ways you just don't expect. Yeah, because it was like, I mean, yeah, it, it's just so random. It's like that these horrific things and then a different horrific thing and a different horrific thing and yet another horrific thing but you they seem unrelated to each other yeah it's just a lot of weird stuff's happening right now in this one house yeah which i i kind kind of like as a complete tonal shift from pilot episode i do like that idea that it just runs away with itself for four pages and I think it does pack a lot of scares into those <laughs> into does, those pages. Yeah. Every, every panel, or nearly every panel at least, is a surprise. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, when I first read this, this was... I, I just didn't know what to think. I just didn't know what was going to come next. And that's kind of great within itself. Yeah. I, I think... 
one of the problems with horror is it is easy to kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of guess with pilot episode, it's like, yeah, there's, there's yeah. going to be a serial killer. There's going to be a serial killer. That's that's given. Oh, we're going to a creepy warehouse where a serial killer is reported to have been. You know there's, who's, there's a chance. There's a chance that there's going to there's gonna be a serial killer. This, not a clue. Not a clue. No. You could... If you read page one, you would not be able to predict the fourth page of this. That is very true. Um, but I, I think it's good for that. I like the unpredictable nature of it. I think some stories in here are more predictable, and it's nice to have at least one that is a real wild card. It's so random. Um, but I like it. It's it's fun and, yeah, kind of goofy in a... Junji Ito sense of humour kind of way. I yeah. think it's fair to say Junji Ito does some really dumb things every now and again. Yeah, and this definitely fits that pattern. Yeah. But in a good way. Um, so after this, we have another page from the letter, which we will get to. Um, then we go back to the house where Carl and Soraya find the costume of a fireman in a box. Mmm. Um, which leads us on to the burning. Yeah, I found the burning not the weirdest because <laughs> that's special delivery, obviously. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it feels like it's gonna. Yeah, it. Um, yeah, I don't know about the burning. The burning was the one that I think I enjoyed the least. Mm. Even though I see what it's going for, it's like... It's kind of a like Candyman urban yeah. legend kind of space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just didn't... It didn't work for me the way that the others did, I have to say. It's, it's fine, but yeah, the others felt a bit more... I don't know, this felt more... And the thing is, is there's more pages... Uh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five pages. This. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know what it was about it. So yeah, the fireman is this creepy character who, yeah, if you liked matches, the fireman comes for bad girls yeah. and boys who start fires. Which that kind of just made sense, but then it just turns into your bog standard, you know someone's at the door kind of thing yeah kind of scream-esque in its yes that was it scream was what i was thinking of it doesn't feel it's like oh she's lit a candle and then oh the fireman appears it doesn't sort of fit with it just doesn't i don't know there's something for that first year i get the establishment of the urban legend and all that and yeah then it just turns into oh babysitter attractive female babysitters here Oh, someone's knocking at the door. Oh, she, what could she lit a candle, happen? Angela? She lit a candle. She's she not knew what starting she was a get. fire. She's not starting. <laughs> I mean, I get it. Just seemed to, yeah. It just something about it didn't work. Um, I, I think it would have benefited from being a longer story, and obviously that's a challenge in any anthology. Yeah. Um, and that I, I think that's pretty common. Me and Will said it a lot when we have covered other anthologies is like some stories just don't get enough time yeah and that's understandable being given the constraints constraints confines constraints constraints is a real word um of uh you know 20 something pages i i think the premise is is good i just think yeah it would have benefited from a little bit more time to flesh it out a little bit more um, and I, I think that trying to get into like an urban legend kind of horror story is a nice addition to have. It's not yeah. something we see frequently. Um, and it's a nice contrast with the style of the other two. So you've got your typical, you've got your hack slasher, then you've got your whatever the hell <laughs> special deliveries, and then you've got your urban legend horror. So you're covering all the horror bases. Yeah. Um, and. After this, we did we then kind of segue into the final basement scene and then the final page of the letter after a really weird reveal that I, I don't want to give away. It's... No, it needs to be seen. So let's talk about Blue American Petroleum. 
Jesus Christ. So, essentially, this is somebody, we don't know who, complaining of strange events at Blue American Petroleum's petrol stations, gas stations. Yes. If you're an American. Um, And just a, a series of weird experiences from every time they've stopped at one of these petrol stations. Um, getting increasingly weird um, <laughs> from uh, cashiers with tattoos of the logo for the uh, for Blue American Petroleum through to, to strange experiences in the diner attached through to a mysterious creature in the basement. It's yeah. It it is an increasingly weird story. But and there is the recurring motif of the nose dripping with blood. Yes, comes up a couple of times. Yeah. Um but as a kind of prose story in in a comic anthology I, I just think this is really good. Um, it feels like it builds in its sinister nature as it goes on, and literally all of it is a surprise. I think it's a surprisingly weird read. It is, because it, it starts off really, really basic. Like, I want to just complain about the service at your stations. And it even the even that first one where he talks about the tattoo and the stuff, and it starts to go a bit weird towards the end of that where it talks about, um, you know, drops of blood, and then it's like, and I drove to a shell and I sat there and then I, I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed for like half an hour. Yeah. And then years later, I went to another one, and then all of the weird stuff with the food happened. And then the chicken thing on my next visit. And then at the, by the end, he's like, you know, the police think I'm crazy. Um, what the hell's going on? Tell me this isn't real. <laughs> Tell me this is all in yeah. Tell me I'm a crazy person. It's... I, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting this story because I don't know how it would be, to be fair. Um... But it, it, yeah, I just I really enjoyed this. I I think there is uh, enough believability to it for it. Yeah, I think I think there's something about making it just the letter and not having any visuals to it or minimal visuals to it. There are some hints in the basement, obviously. Um, but I think the the kind of minimal nature makes it, and the fact that it does start out as like a straight complaint letter, yeah, makes it feel more real worldy than a lot of other things in here. It's it does, and it's really it's a really well done way of writing horror because so much so a lot of the time people are like ah horror. Uh, you know, we were driving on a dark road and then, you know, a man leapt out with a scythe and, you know... Hey, that's Shadow Man issue too, and we both know (laughs) Yeah, it's true. (laughs) But I feel like a lot of the time, you know, people who just write horror shorts just think it's how it goes. But this, it does have that weird real-world grounding Mm. that just, it's so unexpected how it ends up. And it just makes it really good that it is more believable, if you will, that and you're sort of at the end of it, you're like, is this person crazy or did these things happen? Who do I believe? What do I believe? It's kind of a little bit of a mindfuck on the reader as well as the writer. And that's the best sort. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I'm not saying I'm worried about Greg, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, really well written, really creepy. Um, just feels, yeah, somewhat believable, but super weird. And I yeah. think overall, as an anthology, it does well to balance different horror styles. Um, as we've said, the slasher story, the 
manga inspired monster story and then yep. the kind of um urban legend urban legend story and i don't even yeah. know what i would class blue american petroleum as <laughs> something else Ooh. entirely something really weird um I think what helps as well is it conjures up such an immediate visual in in your mind when you're reading it. Yeah. Uh, I think the aesthetic of the kind of petrol stations and diners immediately cuts through because it's something that we do see a lot in American TV shows and cinema. So I think that really helps. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, it ben- everything I've said, it benefits as an anthology from being varied. And um, I think G.A. Alexander writing this overall, yeah, I think it works. I think yeah, uh, it's quite different from the next anthology we're going to discuss, which is why we're discussing these two anthologies. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were comparing yeah, We think we know what we're doing. Um, so should we move on to the next and then we'll kind of, you know, do a bit of a back and forth type thing at the end, I guess. Yep, we'll go with that. Sweet. It's almost like we know what we're doing. Um, so our next anthology is The Silver Coin from Image, which started last year, I believe. I think we're 15 yeah. issues in now, I think. So. Yeah, October 2021 was when this trade was printed, apparently. That I'm guessing six months before that. Yeah. Um, Silver Coin, um, differing from Keepsakes quite significantly, is the artist is always the same. It's always Michael Walsh doing the art and lettering. Um, but the writer changes each issue, which is not how anthologies normally work. But here we are. No. Um, so Michael Walsh did the art and lettering. Um, he also did some of the colouring along with Tony Marie Griffin. Uh, it was edited by Chris Hampton with additional line work by Gavin Fullerton. And uh, there are five issues in this first volume. We're going to stick to the first volume. We could go beyond that, but in the efforts of time constraints, we're going to... Yeah. Um, so the, f- the first issues in order are uh, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson, Jeff Lemire, and Michael Walsh himself, which is... Kind of a who's who of quite significant American writers Pretty the last much. couple He's of years. Got some big names on board as Mr. Walsh. Uh, which kind of carries on into volume two and volume three as well. There's some big writers attached, which shows that, you know, Image have put a lot into this and Michael Walsh has got a lot of friends. Um <laughs> Or a lot of blackmail material, it's yeah, unclear. Could be that too. It's hard. It's it's a weird time to be alive. Who knows? Um, so we start with, and we we've covered this on a previous roundup. We start with the ticket, which is basically a kind of monkey paw type story. Um, maybe even red shoes inspired a little bit about yeah a guitarist called Ryan in a unsuccessful band called Running Red in the 1970s who finds a lucky coin his mother's lucky coin one day and begins playing guitar way better when he uses that as a in place of a plectrum and then you know horror ensues his pursuit of stardom ultimately burns down the club he's in and everyone in it and everyone in it um i feel like these issues are a lot denser so i'm trying to be concise also we talked about the ticket um yeah we did in october 21 so no we didn't because yeah. that's when no, the trade came whatever out whatever it was i um, found up probably six months before do the work find it guys <laughs> it's out there it's out there i don't know if it will actually say what we're discussing in any of the roundups nah, uh, but pe- people can find it it's it's available through um Acast and Spotify and all the places and um, if you search for the silver coin on biggerthancapes.com it will bring you to that roundup I think Um, so kind of the other issues after that uh, issue two uh, Girls of Summer by Kelly Thompson is 
I'm going to guess it's early 90s. We're not told explicitly. It makes me think of early 90s because it reminded me of being that age around that time. I never went to summer camp. No, not not much of an English thing. No, um, but certain aspects of it, like, you know, the choke around the neck and um, the short shorts and the general, you know, I was going off the posters on her bedroom wall because she's got a Nirvana poster and a Goo poster, the Sonic Youth album, so that's at least 1990. But Nirvana didn't get, like, big, big until 91. So (laughs) I'm guessing this is 92. I would guess that. She's also got as well, which everybody wanted back. Oh, she's got a poster of the Lost Boys as well. She is 80... It's 80s. 87, 88, maybe? Yeah. But she has got a TV and video combo, which was True. super popular. So this could a... be this could be as late as about two thousand and eight, which is when I got yeah. the <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure this is early nineties. It does feel like early nineties, very much. Um, but this basically follows the story of uh, a girl called Fiona who is bullied quite excessively at camp and stumbles off into the woods finds a shack with a machete in it with the eponymous silver coin um kind of embedded in the handle and gets a little bit slasher killery which is a recurring thing we got here <laughs> um it feels quite friday the 13th which as i sit here in a friday the 13th t-shirt um Legitimately, it does. It's, it feels like that's the big inspiration, obviously, with yeah. the camp and the machete. And But I think this is a, is, is a pretty great issue. I really like how kind of... So to relate back to Friday the 13th, in, particularly in the remake, Jason appears to have, like, summer camp powers. So he's, like, just, just shit hot at archery and... Just picks up the skills from the summer camp and then applies them to murder, which we kind of see here. Like everything, the way everyone is killed is kind of set up in the first half. We see them like making s'mores around the campfire. We see a bit of archery and different things, which then come back in how Fiona ends up killing people. Um, This is also. What I re- one thing I really like about Silvercon is the first issue, um, which is set in 78, The Ticket, relates yeah. quite directly to Death Rattle, which is issue three. Um, this issue relates to uh, both Death Rattle and Covenant. Yes, Covenant, yeah. Um, there's a good sense of connection, and even though we don't get these events in chronological order it's clear how they connect so the end where the coin ends up in at the end of the first issue then immediately then continues in the third issue which then presumably puts the coin where it ends up in this issue yeah it's non-linearly told so you 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 get by the time you've read the five issues you can trace the coin through various periods of history and things happen. Yes. But you didn't get it in that order. No. Um, Which I think works. I think as well it's cool to see, like, the first issue in the 70s kind of, which is largely before, like, slasher films existed. So we get the more supernatural, monkey paws kind of horror. Whereas in the 90s we'd had what? 10 years of slasher films at least i think halloween's like 78 79 chainsaw massacres before that but isn't as directly a slasher film so much as a whatever the chainsaw massacre is um death rattle is the third issue which is in 86 which is basically about a group of people trying to rob a retired fireman um accidentally killing said retired fireman mm. and then going on the run from the cops uh once again with the coin which leads to a lot more death 
Yeah. I, the, I, the retired fireman was the one that picked it up at the end of the concert. Yeah, there's a, there's a nice little flow yeah. there. I This is one of my least favourite issues. I think it's a little bit... I don't think it's a bad issue. I just think it's a little bit all over the place and feels yeah. more like a transitional issue to get the coin from one location to the next. Yeah. it it For me, it didn't have... Particularly coming after Girls of Summer, which had a huge emotional impact because, Jesus, Fiona. Um, it's weird. I, I think if... I think it speaks a lot of being bullied and kind of... yeah how you imagine things would play out if you got the chance maybe but yeah i mean i you just really feel because fiona is bullied and it's just horrific what these fellow girls put her through and then when she you know goes all weird slasher yeah and then but it's almost like and then she sort of doesn't realize what she's done and then you're like fiona's just going to end up in a padded cell for the rest of her life fiona's gone now and she wasn't i mean we get that jumping ahead we get that in the covenant where it talks about how it doesn't differentiate between the innocent and the guilty yeah and fiona is really an innocent and she didn't deserve to end up in a mental institution having murdered all her campmates her campmates did deserve to be murdered let's make that clear yeah they did suck they they were terrible not that we're advocating the murder of teenagers we're not advocating no but I mean, you, you wanted not, to see not something I thought I would have to say today. No, <laughs> not with me. You, do, I mean, you want then you want Fiona to like win against them is the point, I suppose. And she did win against them, but in a horrific manner that she oh, absolutely have, horrible, yeah. It's just awful. And then you're like, so mentally, this girl was bullied. And then she's been basically taken over by the coin and now she's just completely broken as a person. And, yes. You know, it's just so tragic. And you know the papers are going to blame the fact that she used to watch slasher films. And it's just, her story is just, I think it's the most emotional of them all. Oh, the ticket is quite emotional with Ryan and his need to be famous. But I, you can I don't think there's enough in the ticket. He's a bit ticket. of an asshole. Yeah, there's no, not enough to make you like Ryan. I think I, I came across, I, I ended up liking Ashley and Joe, the drummer and bassist, more yeah. than Ryan. Yeah, but so. Girl of Summer, you just, Fiona. And then, so Death Rattle's following that. And again, these are three people who you don't really care about because they've just killed a guy. They've just robbed and killed Yeah, they're, they're not great. Um, I think, Whilst, as I've said, it kind of shows the journey from one point to another for the coin and kind of getting it active again, I guess, after sitting on a shelf for eight years. Um, But I think through Lisa, who ends up with the coin, um, I think it is a good way of showing how the coin is affecting her and how it's speaking to her and telling her where to take it. Yeah. So it's it's almost like the coin affects people in different in different ways, and well, it does clearly. Um, whilst it grants Ryan's wishes in the ticket and in Girls of Summer, gives Fiona the revenge she clearly wants, but in a way she I don't think I think she wanted the revenge, but I don't think she wanted to you know go on a murder spree. No, uh, fair I guess. This it feels like it, it uses rather than using someone and them getting what they want in a way they didn't want it this feels like it just uses lisa to transport it to the next like yeah major location in a way yeah which is interesting because we kind of see in the end of some of the issues the coin drops and rolls away and then Fate takes over. Fate takes over. This feels like the coin physically making itself be moved to where it wants to be. Yeah. Which also sets up Covenant in the ending of this issue, even though Covenant is not next. No. <laughs> um, but I, I, don't know, I, I don't dislike this issue. I think it's not the most direct horror, but it does kind of show Lisa overwhelmed by this curse that is the silver coin yeah it like I said, it, it really demonstrates the effect because we saw the effects on fiona because she goes nuts but we don't 
I mean, so does Lisa, just in a different way. But yeah, that's <laughs> it. So yeah, Lisa does it in a different way. But with Lisa, you can hear it actually, or you can read that she's hearing it, mm. um, actually dictating what to do. Um, yes. Whereas there's a hint that maybe it's actually doing that to Ryan and Fiona, but we don't see it doing that. That's more insidious with them. It's sort of the silent coin. Whereas here, it's like, oh, yeah, this coin's really evil. Yeah, yeah, can see that. Yeah, it totally different, but I think it, it allows for Ed Brisson to kind of tell us tell the story of the coin more than the stories of the characters, where I think yeah. uh, Kelly Thompson and Chip Zdarsky both try and do something a little bit more character-driven, yeah. which, again, is the benefit of having different writers. They're going to bring in something different. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's at this point where we've had like the monkey paw story, the slasher story, and the kind of possession story in a way. Yeah. That we kind of get a bit of a like whistle stop tour of horror genres kind of feel. I think it, we're firmly like secured in that's what this is. Hello, yeah. Belle. <laughs> um, which is cool. I think that's what you want from a horror anthology. Um, but we'll spiral. We'll, we'll spiral back. We'll circle. We'll circle back because we've still got two issues. The next is twenty four sixty seven. Yeah. Uh, which is a year. It is a year in the future. Four hundred years, more or less, and sixty forty. So it's the future. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can't do that math. It's not that hard. It's, it's what what is the hang on, hang on, we'll work this out. Maths is hard, but also it's four hundred and forty five years from now. There you go. Four hundred and forty six years from when this was written. Yeah. Um this is the Jeff Lemire issue. It's very Jeff Lemire, isn't it? Uh it feels incredibly incredibly four thousand and one AD to me like va- the yeah. valiant stuff yeah. he did um basically this is hard this is a hard issue to explain but i'm uh i'm a try go for it um we basically follow a girl in the future called this is a guess is she called braggy yes i think so i don't know if we get her name this is the she's part of a gang of three which is becoming a trend we see that in the ticket we see that in death rattle and in, in here uh there's definitely someone called dunn there's definitely someone called braggy i'm not sure who is who she <laughs> could be braggy she's not done she's definitely not done can confirm that and basically they are mugging someone in this kind of wasteland outside the city using this weird implant she has with these creepy worms behind her eye. Yep. Uh, Deeply, deeply uncomfortable with that. Thanks, Jeff. Um, That kind of embed into someone else and use like an interface to unlock people's wallets. I guess we've gone super Apple Pay in the future and everyone's wallet is stored inside the brain. I don't know. Yep. She then gets pursued by like a police drone and falls into the past now she she, fa- <laughs> she falls into a hole in the floor which leads her like to the old city which really reminded me of futurama yeah <laughs> um, very much and whilst down there comes into possession of the silver coin which then allow then is almost like a virus that infects her headset thing eye implant and through that manages to take control of officer colton dudley who is the man piloting the drone way back in the city this is the first story in the silver coin that i feel i like it but this feels like jeff lemire writing the first issue of his own book yeah I would I would agree with that. It doesn't. Li- I mean, the silver coin appears. Let's. Not, yeah. The, the, it doesn't have the same sort of effect as it did on the. There's less killing. Let's be honest. There's less death. There is like, death. Like techno possession. Techno possession. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't quite. 
I mean, I admire the fact that they've gone deep into the future and also eye worms. <laughs> um, but still, it does feel very much like Jeff Lemire has this concept about eye worms. Um, let's see if I can... I'll just fling in a silver coin into that particular scenario. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things is it, it doesn't just feel like Jeff Lemire expanded on his bloodshot in 4000 AD. It visually looks like 4001 AD. It does. It doesn't have that... Weirdly, because it is the same artist, <laughs> it doesn't feel, art-wise it doesn't quite fit into the other stories, the other issues. I don't know why. It feels like it is art that is definitely aping previous Lemire work. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the other ones aren't. The other ones are like, feel part of the silver coin universe, as it were. The art styles are different, but it still feels more unified. This is kind of dropped in there. What... What I thought after this was, obviously, as I've said, it feels like it could be the start of its own thing. Uh, Two parts. One, I'm kind of curious as to if a later issue of the Silver Coin will set up this, of the city underground. and We see a person kind of with their arms out with the coin in one hand, and I'm curious if we'll see how that person gets to this position. Yeah. And if anyone will go beyond 2467. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, they might have. I haven't read all the issues. I've read most of them, but maybe they have, and I've missed that one. Um, another thing was, is this set so far in the future because Jeff Lemire has launched his own horror universe? <laughs> and whilst he's pretty well known for doing sci-fi books, it, was it just an effort to not tread on his own toes of anything he would be doing in the bone mythos bone orchard mythos is that what it's called the the bone orchard yeah so was this an effort to avoid the other stuff that he's doing with uh andre sorrentino Mm. um i could be wrong but i mean it does feel so far removed because and both of the, you know, both of those two have done quite a lot of horror. You know, Gideon Falls is, if nothing yes. else, horror. Um, Which is like, largely, well, not largely, but somewhat in the past. Yeah. So, and but then again, got, Lemire's got previous with the future. Yeah, he has got previous with the future. On, I don't know what on, that, that sounds really Previous with the future. Previous with the future, baby. He's one of those people who does a lot of future stuff. Um, and it, yeah, it does feel like this is just to avoid duplicating anything he's done in the Bone Orchard and Gideon's Fall to a certain degree. But also, he likes the future. He likes to write about. He's either writing about sad Canadians or the future, or sad generally, Canadians in the future, or sad Canadians in the future. That's generally his jam. So yeah. he might he might never explicitly say it, but I think we all know that Andy and Descender is Canadian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's. I mean, it's it's obvious. That's you know, he ended up on the moon because Canada colonized the moon. It's that you know that Doctor Who thing where Eccleston's like, lots of planets have a north. Yeah. It's just like lots of planets lots of, have a Canada. Lots of solar systems have a Canada. Yeah, it's all Canada. Um. So the final issue of this first volume is called Covenant and is basically Michael Walsh revealing the origins of the silver coin. Um, I'll be honest, it's not a shocking origin in (laughs) it's kind of what you expected and uh, it's what I expected. And at the time this came out, it was the same time last year that the fear street films came out on Netflix which basically had a very similar reveal (laughs) Um, (laughs) in the, you know, in kind of uh, witch hunting times. What what year would that be? Is it 1577? It's the 1616 somethings or others. 
and the early 1600s yeah within the 1600s we see um rebecca good who is a kind of you know friendly witch about town helping her friend she's kind of serving as a midwife but then he's also helping her friend whose goats is not well (laughs) the goat is the goat is sick goat is sick um but then a witch hunter witch finder a witch finder general yeah um vincent price comes to town (laughs) and um basically convinces her friend to you know rat her out as a which, because apparently everyone else has already been on the phone to him to tell him that Rebecca Good's definitely a witch, man. Um, and I've heard these rumours. Yeah, it, it's somehow gotten word to him from miles away, who knows. Um, and kind of in her death, Rebecca curses the coin that her friend was bought off with. Bought off? Yeah. Yeah, that's good yeah, English. Yeah. That her friend was bought with, and in cursing that coin, it becomes a silver coin, and the the loop is complete. I think it, when this was written, the assumption was that this was going to be a one-volume thing. We're now on volume three, so I guess. Yeah. Um, But very similar to other things where, you know, the, the witch curses the coin, the coin causes all the problems... It's because she was screwed over the curses ultimately passed on to everybody else. It's yeah. it's kind of classic supernatural horror. Yeah. But I don't mind that. I I don't mind the origin kind of being you done the witch wrong when she was a good person, it's just she's cursed everyone. We see it in other stories and it's a classic and I don't re- I don't think I needed anything more bizarre or set up. It feel you know you could have given me the Pirates of the Caribbean Aztec gold or something if you really <laughs> wanted, but I'm kind of down with it being kind of anchored to like American folklore and American yeah. history. I I don't mind that. I think a lot of these stories are quite American and quite well United States in their telling particularly you know summer camp is a very american thing police chases are a very american thing (laughs) i don't know police chases that end up in the woods in the back roads it feels very rooted in the united states so i'm kind of okay with the origin lying there as well yeah and Um, it is it is it is a good origin It, it it does like i say it speaks to the old american mythology yeah. And it's it's a really basic thing that, you know, someone sold out their friend for a silver... You know, it's the classic. I mean, it's almost like, you know, Judas sold out Jesus for silver. Yeah. Everyone sells out their friends for silver. Um, i sell you out in an instant. <laughs> you would, I know. Someone offers back a silver coin, I'm gone. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, and it's, it's like... And it's interesting because it, this silver coin then becomes a thing that hurt, hungers for innocent and guilty because that's kind of what they did. So Rebecca Good was a good person. She used her magic for good. Yes. But, I mean, he wasn't actually wrong. She was a witch, but she wasn't just communing with the devil. She was a, she was a good person. She helped we, we have no proof she communed with the devil. No, we have no proof that she did that. I mean, but she was a witch and she decides to take quite brutal and horrific revenge on not just her friend and mm. her friend's goat. Um, let's not forget the goat in all of this. Um, but also she then condemns everyone who finds the coin. And then at the very end, we see a little boy who's just fallen in the woods who spots the coin and picks it up. And you know, yeah. bad things happen to that small child. And it's like, that's rough man so yeah it's like she's she's innocent but also you know i mean i could get her getting revenge she needed to get revenge on her friend and the witch finder because bad people um Mm. but at the same time like yeah but yeah you know there's a lot of people who are dead now and some of them may not have deserved it yes definitely i 
I think this is a good issue, and I like how it kind of connects to previous issues. So we see that the Witchfinder is Cotton Dudley, which yeah, I guess implies that in what like five hundred years later, no, like a longer than five hundred years, like eight hundred years later, his descendant is uh, the guy running the drone in the future. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, we also see Cotton in the end of Death Rattle. We also share the visual of the kind of ghosts in the woods. Yeah, those appear quite. Those appear in all of them. That's probably one of the few things that actually links 2467 mm. back to Silver Coin is the appearance of those ghostly desiccated corpse in the types. Yeah. We also see that Rebecca's home is the same house, puts cabin from Girls of Summer and Death Rattle. So, I don't know, it's interesting to see that continuation and, like, continuity between issues. I think it creates a good kind of interconnected world. Um, there's still a lot to be explained about the silver coin and the world it is in but i think there's a good interconnectedness that i'm really into here yeah um i mean it's no secret i I reviewed all of these issues and beyond for our website that's uh bigger than capes.com um yes and i i have mentioned it on previous podcast episodes I, i think this is a really good series that kind of covers a lot of different sides of horror and I feel like it's it's a really solid like intro. If you're not into horror comics, I think picking up the Silver Coin is a good way to figure out what horror comics you might be into. Yeah, as as someone who used to say I didn't read horror comics, that was a lie. Yeah, here um, we are. Yeah, here we are discussing. Our... It is because it's like it gives you a flavour of the different ways that horror comics can go. So they can take place in a myriad of different times and places. They mm. can involve different people. They can be involved many murders. Many murders. Many so murders. Many. Yeah. Sort of the way curses work in a different way. Like, they are different horror types. I don't think it's like, because Keepsakes has definite genres. You know exactly where those are coming from. It's a bit more ambiguous with it. I mean, well, sort of. It's not as obvious to draw parallels with. Um, But, yeah, it just gives you a flavour of, you know, how horror comics are, how they may end, never Mm. happily, generally speaking. Um, (laughs) Death. Um, But, yeah, it is a good way of sort of seeing what you like, because if you don't like one of the issues you might have liked another one or you might think oh right well i really like horror set in the future with you know people who have worms in their eyes um or i quite like sort of retro 1970s set horror yeah that kind of thing i think it definitely opens the door to get into something bigger if that's what you're after um this is also quite a good intro to like who's writing comics in america right now (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. If you've never heard of any of these people, um, now would be a good time to learn. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I don't know if I would recommend The Silver Coin flat out as, like, a first comic, but as a first, like, horror comic, I think... Yeah. You could have a good time here. Um, or find out that you really hate horror. <laughs> yeah, it will It will. It's also let a possibility. You know. Yeah, it will let you know. Um. But I think both books, so both The Silver Coin and Keepsakes, are kind of similar in covering a lot of different horror bases. Obviously, Silver Coin has the luxury of being 130-something pages as a trade and being able to cover, you know, everything in more depth. But I think as a fast exploration of horror styles keepsakes does a similar thing in way less pages yeah um i've read both of these multiple times and yeah keepsakes is a faster read 
and an easier read. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, Silvercoin just has the luxury of being an image book and having tons of space to cover whatever it wants. Yeah. Um, but I think both books benefit from the creative teams in different ways. I think Michael Walsh is a great artist and yeah, really gets to show how varied he can be whilst doing one genre. But equally, I think the, the changing of art styles in keepsakes allows for different visuals to accompany different types of stories. I'm yeah. not sure the, the Junjito-inspired special delivery would feel so, anim- so kind of anime, manga if it was a different art style, I think it would make a significant yeah. change. If it was the same art as Pile Episode or The Burning, it would be a very different Yeah, it wouldn't work as well. Experience. Yeah. Um, equally, though, I think G.A. Alexander benefits from having the unified vision running through and whatever their ideas are happen and work because if you write all the stuff yeah that's probably going to help whereas silver coin being different writers for each issue kind of means that there is a bit of a disjointed feel with some of them um i don't think anything sticks out massively as being no not non-fitting unfitting (laughs) unfitting yes um but i think it can be a little bit up and down because of the change in writers bringing their own ideas, their own style, uh, their own horror story they want to tell. That's something, I mean, we don't really have time to get into it, but in volume two, I think the storytelling becomes a little bit more all over the place as we get further from the origin point of the silver coin. Well, the, narrative origin point not the actual origin point as more creators get involved the more i think it kind of gets away from itself i don't think it ever stops being good but i think the constant new writer new writer new writer means that consistency becomes a bit of an issue and yeah direction like this feels really cleverly connected as a first volume Volume two doesn't feel as interweaved, interwoven. Interwoven. Um, yes. So yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. I I would be interested to see more keepsakes though. I mean, I, I guess they finished clearing out the basement, but I don't know. There's there's, 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 there's a, a lot, lot of crap. Of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in that basement. A lot of stuff. And what do they do with all the stuff when they've cleared that's it out? A good the basement? question. There are potentials. Does it go on to ruin other people's lives? Uh, undoubtedly, yeah. The curse of the Blue American Petroleum Baseball Cap. That's it. It's it's haunting. There, there's a sequel. Um, I don't know. I, I would. I mean, I've read more of the Silver Coin, and I would definitely be up for finding out more about where keepsakes could go. Um, G.A. Alexander does have another book out called Obsolete. Yes. Uh, which is the first issue, which was also kickstarted, I believe, which is kind of, I guess, also getting into that technological possession, technology running wild kind of story. Still horror, but yeah. also kind of sci-fi. Worth checking out. Um, if you can. I'm sure it's available online. Yeah. It's definitely available at volume1comics.co.uk. If only all our listeners weren't in the States. Uh, <laughs> nah, some of them are in England. Uh, a few. A few are in England. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really like both of these books. Um, yeah. any, any thoughts, feelings, general emotions? Emotions. <laughs> no, they are both really good. They are different. Like, I feel like as well, this keepsakes is just a nice little... I mean, it's weird saying nice just, about right, well, horror. Yeah. Nice oh, it's a l- Lovely horror book, that. Lovely horror, yes. Um, fun no, for all just, the family. Fun for all the family. It's just an interesting way of just dipping your toe into the water of horror. 
Yeah. Whereas silver coin is more, I might have a little bit of a paddle, possibly a swim. Um, <laughs> that's kind of the level that I'm at with that. Um, so they are different, but I think both give a flavour of horror comics in different ways. You've got the keepsakes, kind of like the small press, the indie. Um, mm-hmm. This is, you know, one guy drawing it in his basement with friends. Uh, whereas Silver Coin is more of a polished production purely because it's image and we have these yeah. names. Um, but yeah, they're both really interesting. I enjoyed both of them. Um, I do feel like Silver Coin, I mean, I know there's a volume two and a volume three, but I do feel like Silver Coin works just as the one volume almost as like, this mm. is this is the, because st- you get the origin at the end. Um, I don't necessarily need more of Silver Coin because I think it does a really good job with what it, it's got. Um, yeah, definitely. It's quite, you know, give me more silver coin, it's fine. Um, keepsakes, I'd be interested to see, you know, tackle a few different other little aspects of the horror genre. Yeah, I, I would definitely be up for expanding outwards and seeing yeah. what else can be done. Um, but yeah, horror anthologies, there's some really good ones right now. Um I'd recommend checking out both of these if you're into horror or if you want to get into horror. I think anthologies are a good way of testing what you like. Um, And, you know, hit us up on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, if you're that way inclined. If you want some horror... At Bigger Than Capes. Uh, If you want some horror recommendations of where to start with horror... Um, our website is full of them, but I'm also up for just helping people out and getting people into horror comics. Well, I mean, you worked on I, me I, for I've a broken couple of years. into it. You know, it's taken <laughs> yeah. like two years, but here we are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, read horror comics. Check out some horror anthologies. Tweet us if you want, if you're that way inclined. Uh, I think I just said that, just echoing myself. Um, and you know what are what are your favorite horror anthologies? People listening in the comfort of their own homes, or on the train, yeah. or wherever you are. Car, <laughs> bus. You could be in the train. car. It's, house, it's just... neighbor's house, friend's house. What are you doing in your neighbor's house? That's a bit horrific. <laughs> Going out to serial killing. As you listen to our podcast while sorting through your neighbor's basement. <laughs> <laughs> Finding weird items that lead you down a path of horrific horror. Horrific horror? That's implied. When horrific, it's horrific horror, yeah. Horrific events. Um, but yeah, we. Um, I think we're done here. We're done. We're very done. <laughs> Just talking nonsense yeah. now. <laughs> um, we have been Angela and Zach, Zach and Angela, yeah. collectively, the bigger than capes. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week, I guess, for our roundup of October's new series stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, thanks for listening That's and it. such. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I keep saying weird things to end episodes at the moment. So. <laughs> um, you know. Happy Halloween for those who celebrate. Yeah, happy Halloween and uh, later days. Yeah. <laughs>